Hello, and welcome to the River of Life podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Amen. Natural evangelism, that will be our emphasis for 2016 and beyond. And um, we are excited about that. That is something that the staff and the board, uh, we've been praying about it for months now. And we really believe that this is the time and it's going to be exciting. I, I, the main thing I want you to know, and I know this is the first time you've heard it, but the main thing I want you to know from the beginning is that natural evangelism will be just that. It will be natural. There will be no gimmicks involved in this. Uh, in fact, it will not even be program-centered. We will not build programs around this. This will, all, this will be all about Christians living Christ-centered lives, abiding in Christ, and bearing much fruit. Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And so that's what this is about. You'll be hearing a lot about it, but get ready for a journey into natural evangelism and something that will bring great glory to our Lord and our God. Now, as I begin today, I want to tell you I already know that I am loved as a pastor because someone has already brought me a pecan pie. Now, it's not the largest pecan pie that I've ever seen. And the reason I brought it to the pulpit with me is because I don't trust the people seated on the front row here. And I didn't, I didn't want to leave it there. And so, so anyway, we're going to have a great time. And uh, today as we celebrate, and I hope there will be a lot more pies, not just pecan pies, but uh, uh, I know of a few already. Uh, today I want to talk to you about the journey. Uh, I want to uh, share with you at least a portion of our story here at River of Life and how we got to where we are right now. Uh, and, and I want you to know I'll leave out a ton of details, but I'll just hit some high points as I share with you uh, our story, our journey, how we got here, some things that God did to confirm uh, that we were moving in the right direction as we made our way uh, to the center of the county. And uh, let me just begin by telling you, I became the pastor of this church on April the 5th, 1987, almost 29 years ago. And, and that speaks highly of this congregation that you've endured me that long. And, and I thank you for that. Uh, but uh, we were not River of Life in those days, and we were not here in the center of the county. That all happened later. When I became the pastor of this congregation uh, in 1987, we were Sopchoppy First Baptist Church in Sopchoppy. And, um, and, and God was moving in that church. And I want to tell you, it was a wonderful, wonderful church. And I was 
absolutely honored and, and, and felt highly uh, privileged to be the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Soptopi. Good things were happening. And I tell you, still to this day, some of the most precious memories I have in the ministry took place during those years that we were the First Baptist Church of Sopchapi. And, um, and I look back and smile. Now, it wasn't all great and it wasn't all glorious, but boy, uh, we had some good times. But I'll tell you what did happen there in that First Baptist Church of Sopchapi. And that is we started growing in grace. Uh, we, we started maturing in the Lord. We, we started changing. Uh, we started um, uh, experiencing some things that we had not experienced in the past. And the Spirit of the Lord was moving in our, in our fellowship. Uh, we were not sure what all was going on, but it was good. And, um, and the Spirit was moving. How many of you have realized in life that things are always changing? That they're always changing, that things never stay the same? Uh, well, God was changing us, and we really were changing as a congregation. And, um, uh, and then, and like I say, I'm skipping a lot of details, but uh, we, on, I think it was in November 1999, we changed the name of our church under the strong leadership of the Holy Spirit. We changed our name from the First Baptist Church of Sopchapi, uh, to River of Life. And we really felt like that's what God wanted us to do. And along with that name change came a transition from being a Southern Baptist church to being an interdenominational church. Now, sometimes people get that confused with a non-denominational church. And, and I just, I want you to know that, uh, uh, we're not a non-denominational church. We are an interdenominational church. And that re- there is really a big difference between non-denominational and interdenominational. Um, let, let me explain it this way. We are a congregation of people from differing denominational backgrounds, yet sharing a common core belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one and only way to heaven. I want to tell you that binds us together. That binds us together. Jesus said in John the 14th chapter, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. And so one of the things that unites us is that we believe that. It's not the only thing we believe. We believe that the Bible, this is very important, we believe that the Bible is God's holy word. That it is not outdated, it is not irrelevant, and it does not need to be replaced today. That it is still God's word. And that we better believe it We better study it, we better read it, we better preach it, and we better obey it, and we better not add to it or take away from it. It is the Holy Word of God. And that's something that binds us together. And by the way, I really do believe what I'm talking about 
are things, biblical things, that bind us together in a much stronger way than denominations. Uh, one last thing I'll share with you in this area, and that is that when it comes to the blood, and I'm talking about the blood of our dear Savior, the atoning blood, the precious blood uh, of the Lamb of God that was shed for us, when it comes to that blood, here's what we believe. We believe that that blood that washes us and cleanses us and makes new creatures out of us and lifts the guilt and the shame of our past sins off of us and introduces us into a new way of life, we believe that that blood is thicker than the water that divides us. We don't agree on everything in this church. But we agree on the fact that Jesus is Savior, the Bible is the Word of God, and His blood has set us free, and there is a common bond between us in this church. We are an interdenominational church, not a non-denominational church. And by the way, we are certainly not an anti-denominational church. We are not. We, there's nothing wrong with your denominational heritage or background. Nothing at all unless you let it stand in the way of you fellowshipping and believing and worshiping with others who have been redeemed the same way you've been redeemed. Uh, can we just stop just for a second and just take a look at how diverse we are in this fellowship? I'm going to ask you to stand up. At some point, I'll ask a number of questions. No, not now. Hold on. Stay seated. I'll ask you, I'll ask you a series of questions, and when... It's time for you to stand up. I'd like for you to stand up because we want to we want to see where you where you come from. And by the way, some of you may need to stand up on two or three of these. So if you stand up once, it doesn't mean you can't stand up again. How many of you come from a Baptist background? I'm talking about independent Baptist, Southern Baptist, uh, primitive Baptist, Baptist. You come from a Baptist background. Stand up. <coughs> All right, now they can outvote us, I'm telling you right now. Man, that's a good-looking group, isn't it? All right, you may be seated. How many of you come from some type of a Methodist background? Stand up. Now, you can do, if you stood up, you can stand up again, all right? The Methodist. We love the Methodist. And uh, uh, sit down. Okay. Now, the Methodists are not the ones we really need to worry about. This next group is the one. These are the ones we really need to worry about. If you come from a Pentecostal background, I'm talking about Assembly of God, Church of God, <clears throat> Congregational Holiness. All right, well, stand up now. You don't, don't sit back down. Hey, these are the shouters in the house. Uh, yeah, praise the Lord. Amen. You may be, you may be seated. How, how about, uh, just throw some more, how about Episcopal? Anybody from the Episcopal background? Yeah. Yeah. I heard somebody say one time, he said, are you Whiskopalian? I mean, Episcopalian? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> For, forgive me. Lutheran. Any Lutherans in the house? All right. Yes. Yeah. Praise, praise the Lord. All right. Be seated. Anglican. One. Praise the Lord. Please don't ever leave. We'll lose that part of our... <laughs> 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 
difference here. So, uh, all right, how about this? Catholics, stand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, you may be seated. Hey, if you come from a denominational background other than what I've called out, stand up. Well, wait, wait now. Wait, hold on just a second. Where? Church of Christ. Church of Christ? Okay. I didn't hear you. Did I, did I not call Presbyterian now? I skipped the Presbyterians. All right, Presbyterians. <laughs> all right, I got... All right. So, well, praise the Lord. Now, at least here's what I want you to see. You are... What are you? Jehovah Witnesses, okay? Good, good to have you here. Amen. The point is, the point is, is we don't care what your denominational background is. We don't care whether your last name is Jones, Smith. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't care what your last name is. We, uh, we all have different last names, don't we? Or most of us do. Um, and, but we don't care. What, we don't care what denominational background you're from if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one and only way to heaven. If you believe that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible, holy Word of God which has been preserved for our day and that we have it and we should read it and study it. And if you believe that the blood of Jesus Christ forgives and cleanses and sets us free and brings us into a family of faith that's God's family. If you believe those things, yeah, yeah, those are... We... What, what we... What we call those, um, we just call those non-negotiables in this church. And by the way, if you don't believe those non-negotiables, we won't run you off, but we will pester you to death. <laughs> we'll pester you until you believe it. And so, uh, so anyway, uh, uh, I wanted to see the diversity, and that's pretty interesting, isn't it? I, I, I want to ask you one more question. Don't you love the fact that you're not... And, and I don't, I don't want to be derogatory because I love all these denominations. I'm, I'm serious. But don't you love the fact that we are diverse? Yeah. That we come from different backgrounds? That we're not a cookie cutter church where, where everybody has the same feelings and convictions about everything that we can grow and learn from one another? Now, back, back to my story. Now, around the time we changed our name to River of Life. We started feeling like God wanted us to relocate our church and congregation to the center of the county. We were 10, 11 miles in that direction. And we, uh, uh, we started feeling like God wanted us to relocate to the center of the county. We didn't know exactly where, but we felt like it was at the center of the county. And, and we started feeling like that God wanted us to have an interdenominational, interracial, spirit-filled church in the geographical center of Wakala County. And that feeling just would not go away. And little by little, we started believing that it was the Holy Spirit that was leading us. And we started believing it was God's will. 
And we knew that we had to take a journey, a journey of about 10, 11 miles, but a journey that would be seemingly impossible. I'm telling you that the task before us when we realized this was absolutely overwhelming. We, we, We felt strongly. We knew what God wanted us to do. We just didn't know how to do it. And, and I can tell you, it is one thing, and, and it, uh, this is one of the things I would hope you'd take away from what I have to say today. It is one thing to, to hear a word from God. I believe God speaks to people. I believe he speaks directly to individuals. I believe he speaks to families. I believe he speaks to churches. I believe he speaks to nations. It's one thing to hear and receive a word from God. It's something else to step out on faith and walk it out. And, and no matter how hard it is, you don't give up. You don't quit because you know you received a word from God. And so, so we heard this word from God, and it was overwhelming. We knew. We were not naive in this department. We knew we, we had to buy land. We knew we had to build buildings. We knew we had to relocate an entire congregation to the center of the county. And, and we didn't have the money to do it. We didn't have uh, the know-how to do it. Uh, we didn't even know where to start the task. I'm, I'm serious. And, and yet we knew God wanted us to do something. I hope you are aware today that sometimes God will lead you to do something that you cannot do. He will lead you to do something that's impossible. God will lead an individual to do something that's impossible. He'll lead a family. He'll lead a church. God will sometimes tell you to do something. There's no way you can do it. And why would God do that? Because our God is the God of the impossible. Our God specializes in impossible things. And when we step out on faith and we do what God tells us to do, even if we can't figure out how to do it, it's impossible for us. If we do something that's impossible, God gets the glory. And I want to tell you, this whole task was impossible for us. But God led us in this direction. I heard somebody say a long time ago, you'll never know what God can do until you attempt something you can't do. And that's what we did. We attempted something we couldn't do. First thing we did was buy a piece of property, this piece of property. Now, we bought 10 acres to start with. We now own 16 acres here. But we bought this 10 acres right here. And friends, that was a wonderful experience. Because i got to tell you, we paid cash for the property. We wrote a check out. And we bought this property. It was free and clear the day we bought it. But I got to tell you, that's the good news. The bad news is we had zero dollars in our building fund after we bought this property. We depleted the entire building fund. We didn't have one dollar in the building fund. And we had a million dollar project ahead of us. How do you do it? How do you take a small congregation, raise a million dollars and get the job done? I don't know, but I refer you back to my previous point. He's the God of the impossible. Uh, and so, um, so we were, we were excited about getting started. One of the things that we did was, um, 
we decided to have a dedication service. You remember we came out on this property. Some of you were here. Uh, we, we came, we anticipated uh, where we would build the worship center, and we, we put a place, uh, we, we established a place, and I think we were very, very close. And we said, okay, when we build a building, we, we think the building's going to go right here. And when we build that building, we think the pulpit will be about here. And, and we think the altar of the church will be about here. And I think we were pretty close, maybe within 15 or 20 feet. And so we gathered around and we took anointing oil and we poured that oil out on the ground here where we felt like the altar would be. And friends, I believe with all my heart that God sanctifies and sets apart certain places and things and things can be dedicated to him and used for his glory. And I honestly believe that when people come to this altar and bow down that there's a special anointing here. And long before we had any vision of this building or what the altar would look like, we poured oil out on the ground, we worshipped, we sang, and we got on our knees and we dedicated this piece of property to the glory of God. And, and, and that was exciting. But you talking about being out on faith, we still didn't have any money. And we still didn't know how we were going to do it. And we knew... We knew this. We knew it would take somewhere around two, maybe even three million dollars to do what we needed to do. And boy, never had we trusted God like this before. And, and I mean, we wanted to build a building that would seat six to seven hundred people, which this building will do. And, and we knew the figures and looking at conventional, uh, structures. So we began to pray. And then one day, I was in my office, and Chuck Coburn, our youth pastor, who was just a youth then himself, came bouncing in. And he said, I've got it, I've got it, I figured it out, I know how we can do it. And I thought, oh really? (laughs) He said, here it is, here it is. And, and and he begins to lay these pictures down on my desk and he begins to show me pictures of of a dome, a tent. And he said, what we're going to do is we're not going to build a conventional building out there. We're going to build a tent. And I looked at him and with all the sincerity of my heart, I meant this. I said... You have lost your ever-loving mind. You are crazy. We're going to lead this church to go out to that 10 acres out there and we're going to pitch a tent? And, and, and then I said, how much would it cost? He said, probably three, four hundred thousand, maybe five hundred thousand. I said, we're going to buy a five hundred thousand dollar tent? You're crazy. You're insane. So, by the way, if you don't like this building, Chuck's in the sound booth. It's his fault. He did it. Man. But come on. Do you know God's Word? Do you know how God operates? Do you know what God says to us? In Isaiah, the 55th chapter, He says, My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. 
Oh, friend. If you have not come to the place in your own personal life and your own family where God can lead you to do something that makes no sense in your mind, but you know God's leading you to do it, then you're missing out on the things that God can do. Because I didn't see it. And I, and I don't think we got a much better response when we presented it to the board. But, but by, the, by the way, you and God, when you're in agreement, you become a majority. Because God can start changing hearts and minds and get things. And that, that's exactly uh, what, what happened. And so, so we, were, we were off and running. And, and then what we did is we stepped out on faith. We did borrow some money uh, to, to buy the material on this building and bring it in here. And we stepped out on faith and we went to work. And Scooter's right, man. Well, this building is, is, is built with blood, sweat, and tears. Man, we labored. It, it was, uh, have you ever heard of being bear caught? You guys that work in construction, what it means to be bear caught? First time I ever uh, uh, was bear caught was when I was working on this facility. I just, I was in the sun too long. I got hot. I got nauseated. And man, I was sick for days because well, I mean, we worked on this building. A lot of people. And, and it, it, it was amazing. And, and we, we started building this tent. And it was exciting, but, and there are just so many stories that I could tell you as the construction went on that just confirmed that this was the Lord's will. I, I don't have time, but just for a few, few of these stories, but l- let me share with you that we started construction, the beams started going up, and we started, and people that I'd never laid eyes on started stopping by. I, I'm not exaggerating. Three, four different people did this, stopped by and said, where's the pastor? Where's the pastor? And somebody would come get me, and, you know, I'd be in blue jeans. I'd be sweating. I'd be working just like everybody else. And they'd come get me, and they'd say, Pastor, I just want you to know that what you're doing is God's will. This is a part of God's plan. And I would say to them, how do you know? And, and sometimes I'd hear something like, yes, several years ago, God gave me a vision and I saw a building in the middle of the county that looks exactly like what you're, you're building. And, and I had a vision or I had a dream. And after about the second or third person that shared that, I was amazed. And then the most amazing one was somebody said, Pastor, uh, a while back, and they told me how long, I don't remember now, and they had a notepad in their hand. said, a while back, God gave me a vision, and it was so clear that I got my pencil out, and I made a sketch of the vision, and I want you to see it. And, the, and they opened it up. And when I opened it up, I looked, and it was this dome. And, and, and the person said, I had no idea what God was revealing to me. But it was this dome. And when I saw it going up, I realized that it was the dome. And But the picture, I'm not making this up now, the picture, what was different is there was a hole right in the middle of the dome and the glory of God was funneling down into that hole and filling the dome up. And this person said to me, I, I know that what you're doing is of God because he's revealed it to me. And these, these things are confirming. But I have to tell you, the most confirming thing that happened along the way was we, we were building and uh, 
George Nelson, most of you know George, some of you are related to him. Uh, uh, George showed up and he took some vacation time. He said, I want to help you guys. And then this is what George said. George said, um, he, he said, I want to join this church. And I was honored and he joined the church. And one day we were standing right out there in the parking lot. And George said to me, he said, Pastor, do you know why I want to join this church? And I said, well, I hope you're doing it because the Holy Spirit's leading you. He said, well, he is. But he said, there's another reason I want to join this church. And I said, tell me, tell me, I want to know what, what's drawing you here. And he said, well, when I saw that you were building a church on the morning fields, he said, I knew then I wanted to join this church. And I'm sitting there thinking, morning fields. Okay, I'm not sure what he means, but I, I like the sound of this. You know, the sun rising, the dawning of a new day, the, the morning feels. Th- this is going to be something special. And I said, well, I like that, George. I said, okay, so, so this is the dawning of a new day, the morning. He said, no, not that kind of morning. He said, I'm talking about weeping and mourning. He said, you're building your church on the morning fields. And I have to tell you, the first thing that crossed my mind, oh my goodness, we're building our church on some sacred burial ground or something. <laughs> what, what is that all about? And I said, George, please explain to me. You're scaring me. And this is what he said. He said, when I was a young man growing up in this county, he said, the black churches in this area designated this field as the morning fields. And when we would have revival and the Spirit of the Lord would begin to break in, our pastors would send us down to the morning fields and they would say, find a place in the field and get on your face and cry out to God in repentance and weeping and mourning and don't leave until the Spirit of God comes on you and you've felt the presence of God. And George told me that there were times he had been in this very field right here and you could hear people mourning and weeping and crying out to God all over the fields. He said, Pastor, you're building your church on the morning fields. He said, you're building your church on sacred ground. And I thought, oh my goodness. Could it be? Could it be? Is it possible Is it possible that we bought a piece of property, dedicated it to the Lord, and we build a building, and we're we're now building a building on this property, and we dedicated it to the Lord? You may not be aware of this, but there are Bibles in the foundation of this building. On the east side, and on the west side, and the north side, and the south side, we put Bibles in it. We dedicated. Could it be That we bought a piece of property dedicated to the Lord, dedicated the building to the Lord, but we bought a piece of ground that was already holy ground. It was already dedicated to the holy service of God. I got to tell you, there was just, just something tremendously confirming about that. And, and there are many other stories. I don't have time because we have a meal that we're getting ready for. But I, I do want to tell you, God has placed his confirmation on uh, what has happened here. I, I want to read this to you because I want to be careful not to miss a word. But as I look back over the past 12 years, we've had some highs and some lows. Definitely some pain and suffering. 
We've had great moments of revival and moments when I wasn't sure we would make it. We have done some things that were good, very good, and right, and were blessed of God. And we've done some things that were wrong, and we had to get on our knees and ask God to forgive us. But the bottom line is this, river of life from the beginning belongs to God. This congregation, these buildings, and this property belongs to the Lord. And I still believe God is up to something wonderful and supernatural in this place. God has a future and a plan for this church that I believe will shake this county for the glory of God. By the way, in closing, I was meditating on this, and I, I don't want to be uh, melodramatic here, and I, I certainly don't want to write something in and make the Bible say something it doesn't say. But the number 12 is significant in the Bible. Do you know that? There were 12 tribes of the children of Israel. There were 12 apostles. And, and when the Bible points to the future of the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, which will come down out of heaven, it is measured by the number 12. We know that there will be 12 gates of pearl. Uh, we know that there are 12 foundations. We know that the names of the 12 apostles will be written on the foundation. We know that each one of those foundations has 12 different jewels in the foundation. Now, what does all that mean? The theologians tell us that the word 12 means complete. In other words, when God put the 12 tribes of Israel together, it was complete. He was ready to do his work through those 12. That when God put, uh, called those 12 apostles, that it was complete. He was ready to launch the work uh, that we would find in the New Testament. And one day the heavenly city will come down and, and the reason the word, uh, the number 12 is used all through the description of that city is because it will be a complete city ready for eternity. Again, I don't want to write more into this than I should. But it, could, could it be possible that the stage is set? Could it be possible that this church is at the point where God has completed the first step, the first stage, the organizational stage? Could it be that we are right now poised to do what God brought us to the center of the county to do? To finish the work, or maybe not say finish it, but to actually get started in the work. Now listen, the past 12 years have been magnificent. Man, I wouldn't trade the past 12 years. I've seen people saved. I've seen glorious things happen. I've seen people uh, healed in this church. Uh, we have testimony after testimony about what God has done in this fellowship. I've seen times in this church when the glory and the presence of God was so thick, you couldn't hardly stand up. You'd have to get on your face. I've seen times when you couldn't take a step from that wall to that wall because men were on their faces just before the Lord. Man, I've seen some great times. And I'm not trying to diminish that a bit. But here's what I want to tell you. With all of that in mind, 
I think the one thing we all have in common here today is there is a genuine hunger, and I might say a need, for God to do something in this church that will set this church on fire. Something in this church that will bring the glory of God upon this entire county. I, I'm still hungry, aren't you? To see what God can do. Could it be that we're right where we should be? And, and I certainly mean this with the highest degree of respect. Could it be that God, in His sovereign will, has moved people into this church and out of this church? to bring us to where we are right now so that the days to come could be right in the center of his will. Is that possible? And the answer to that question is yes. I'm going to pray, and, but when I say amen, please don't move because I want to say one other thing after I pray, but would you please join me in this prayer? Father, thank you again for listening to River of Life Podcast. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email at info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for more information and directions.